You're listening to a message preached at Front Range Baptist Church. It is our prayer that this message will be a help and an encouragement to you in your spiritual walk. Take your Bibles, turn to Judges chapter 11. Again, if you're, if you're with us today and you're not a, a member of Front Range or you're visiting with us, I do hope you'll come back and, and meet Pastor Miller and, and have the opportunity again to hear him speak and, and to get to shake his hand. And uh, I know that'll be a blessing uh, to both you and him. And today I'll try to help you, you know, it reminds me of the story of the, uh, uh, the pastor who got up and said, we're going to have a, uh, uh, he made an announcement, we're going to have a board meeting after the service today. And he said, all of the uh, members of the, uh, all the, all the members of the board, we're going to meet back in the classroom right here after the service. So board members, be sure to meet back here as soon as we are dismissed. And so they all came into the room there. The pastor came into the room with, with all of these board members and they all got together and they looked around and there was this guy that nobody recognized. It was first time visiting the church and he comes in and the pastor says, well, sir, I don't know if you understand, but, but this, is, uh, this is a meeting of the board. And he said, well, I suppose I'm as bored as everybody else here, so I figured I'd come to the meeting. So um, I'll try to make sure that's not you today, okay? We'll try to make sure you're not a part of the board this morning, but... Uh, but we are glad to have you here on this Memorial Day weekend. And uh, Memorial Day, the first Memorial Day was not called officially Memorial Day. Uh, there's actually really a, a great debate over who started Memorial Day, who did it first, uh, what group of people uh, were the first to take this into account. Um, they're, they're, it's believed to have been celebrated with a parade of free slaves and Union soldiers marching through Charleston, South Carolina as far back as 1865. In 1866, there were some ladies from Columbus, Mississippi, who went to the Friendship Cemetery, and that was a cemetery for the dead uh, from the Battle of Shiloh. And they went in the spring and began to, uh, uh, to lay flowers on the graves of the Confederate soldiers, and they saw all the graves of the Union soldiers, and they thought, well, that's someone's child and husband and father and son. And so they began to go by, and, and they decided to go ahead and lay flowers at the graves of the Union soldiers as well. And the New York Tribune printed a story on the actions of these women. They said it was uh, seen as a healing touch for the nation after the Civil War. The city of Waterloo, New York, is considered the official birthplace of Memorial Day uh, because it was, it was observed there in May of 1868. There were two, two men, General John Murray and General John Logan. They called on the communities uh, of, the, of our country to honor the war dead there. And they set the first Memorial Day to be on May 30th. Uh, of 1868, that first official one, what they called for. And uh, General Logan had been impressed with really how the South had honored their Confederate uh, fallen uh, for years. And, uh, and so they proclaimed, they made a proclamation, they called it Decoration Day. And uh, Memorial Day was originally called that day because the idea was to decorate the graves of those who've laid down their lives uh, fighting for their country. And, uh, and so because it was kind of instigated Decoration Day by the North, a lot of the people in the South didn't really jump on board with that just because of uh, the lingering resentments from the Civil War. And uh, it wasn't until, until World War II that the, the new name of Memorial Day was more widely used. And the federal law recognized this holiday in 1967. And as we go into this weekend, and as we really are, are beginning, um, you know, what many of us have is a three-day weekend, getting ready for tomorrow on Memorial Day, I think it's very important that we do take time in our country as a nation, as a group of Christians especially, to obey what the Bible says in Romans chapter 13. What does Scripture tell us? It tells us to, to render tribute where tribute is due, and, and then you get to the end of that verse, 
And Paul says that we're to render honor where honor is due. And it's important, many of us in here, I think most of us would all agree that Memorial Day is a very, very valuable, very important day in our nation, and that we take the time to remember those who did lay down their lives uh, for our freedoms. When we think of Memorial Day, of course, we honor those who laid down and gave their lives all throughout American history. And there's one common theme, and we all understand this, there's one common theme, whether it's someone who laid down their life in 1775 or, or 2022. There's a common theme, and that is that of sacrifice. And we understand that those who fought for our nation, over 1.3 million Americans have laid down their lives for our nation. You know, when you think of the, the gravity of that and the numbers there, I mean, those numbers are staggering. And probably if we went around this room, it wouldn't take long for us to be able to make some kind of relation to someone that either we knew that died in service for our country or a friend of a friend or, or something along those lines. It would, probably wouldn't take long for us to, to, to have some sort of relationship or relation to someone who is, who's laid down their lives for our nation. And it's important we do take the time to remember those who did give their last full measure of devotion. That reminds me of the story of the little kid in church. He came in to church and he was looking in, their, in the lobby in the foyer of this church and he looked up there and he saw this big plaque with all these names. And next to each name was, was an American flag. And this little boy, little seven-year-old boy was just reading those names and the pastor saw this and the pastor walked up to him and he asked the little boy, he said, you know, what are you doing? He said, I'm just looking at all these names. He said, who are these? You know, what, what, what is this for? And the pastor said, well, son, those are, those are names of people in our church who lost their lives in the service. That little boy just soberly stood there just looking at all those names and he just quietly asked him, well, was that the Sunday service or the Wednesday service? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's important we do take time to remember those who've laid down their lives and, and it's important that we do teach our children as Christians, as Americans, on both levels here, it's important that we teach our children what Memorial Day is all about. You know, some, well, was one teacher one time asked, asked a student, you know, what is Memorial Day for? And, you know, the little kid said, well, that's the day the pool opens up, you know, and, and many of us kind of see that as the beginning of summer. But as Christians and as Americans, it is vital that we take the time to highlight this day, to understand what this day means. I'm part of a prayer group here in town with some local uh, officials and, and one of the men in the prayer group, uh, he uh, just got out of the Marines a few years ago and he sent an email to, to the, our group of uh, listing four different men that he served with who gave their lives. And man, it just meant so much to be able to see their pictures and to read their stories and to know that even today there are people who are willing to defend our freedoms. And what a great country we live in. And may, may we never take for granted those who are willing to step forward and fight for our nation. The best we, thing we can do is to educate our children to respect the honor, the courage, and the commitment of our veterans. And throughout history, God has placed a strong emphasis in Scripture on this topic of remembering. When you go through Scripture, you see passages over and over again where God says, remember, don't forget this. Think on this. Remember this. What was the great sin of the children of Israel as they came out of Egypt? They observed 10 pretty incredible miracles that were done. The plagues of Egypt, they saw all of these things take place. They saw God deliver them from the hand of Pharaoh. They saw the Red Sea parted. 
I've got it in my mind how that looked. I know I've seen Charlton Heston do it too, and that had to be pretty incredible. These people lived that. They walked through the Red Sea. They saw all of these experiences take place, and literally less than two generations later, of people who experience these great miracles, they're living in complete idolatry, completely away from God. Why? Because somewhere along the way, we stopped teaching history. People stopped remembering the things that God had done for them and for their forefathers. They stopped passing down those lessons. God told his people in Exodus chapter 12, and this day shall be unto you for a memorial. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generation. Keep it as a feast by an ordinance forever. Deuteronomy 5.15, and remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt and that God brought thee out hence through his mighty hand. Isaiah 46.9, remember the former things of old for I am God and there's none, none else. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. We practice the Lord's Supper here periodically in our church, 1 Corinthians 11. And when he had given thanks, Jesus break it and, take, and, and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. There's a high value placed on remembering, on going back and remembering the things that God has done. And if we as Christians would just, if we got nothing else from today and we just took that lesson today and really applied that to our day to day, that I'm going to make a point to remember how God has blessed me, how God has met my needs, it would revolutionize our Christian lives. I don't know, maybe, maybe you're probably a better Christian than me, but most of the time when I come out uh, of church and I go out into my week and something, uh, you know, a curveball is thrown, there's a problem, there, there, there's an there's a illness, there's a sickness, there's an unexpected bill, there's a financial problem that comes, whatever it may be, most, uh, at least me, maybe I'm not speaking for you, but most of the time, what do I do? Almost always, you know, I, I, I have to fight going into a panic. What am I going to do? As if God doesn't already know. You know, uh, if you're, maybe you're not like me. Maybe you go to prayer first. That's typically my last go-to. You know, I'm trying to figure stuff out, you know, and I'm looking at, I got these things like, you know, uh, uh, you, know you, can, you can take out a second mortgage and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, and, and you don't do that. You know that kind of stuff. You're not supposed to do stupid stuff like that, you know. You know, just take out a line of credit and do this and that. And you, we start thinking of ways that we can finagle things. And I have to think that God's sitting back there half the time saying, hey, hot shot, I'm waiting. I own a cattle on a thousand hills. I've got all this stuff for you, man. I'm ready to go. If you would just simply ask. And, and most of the time we don't ask. Why? Because we just don't remember. I can give you stories. I can give you stories of things that I've prayed for that God answered. And yet for some reason we get two weeks removed from that and all of a sudden I think that God forgot about me. Why? Because I don't take the time to remember. And so on a day like Memorial Day, I think it's a, a great emphasis placed in our calendar, in our nation, for us to stop and remember. And if you don't have things about our country specifically to remember, man, go back and read a book. Go back and watch a documentary. Go learn some things about that, that were done and some people and the sacrifice that they gave to give you and I the opportunity to do what we're doing right now, to meet together in freedom to hear the Word of God preached. What a great emphasis placed on remembering. Today we're going to look at one of Israel's national heroes. The, uh, the, the title of this lesson today is, is A Patriot of the Jews. We're going to look at a man who was a Jewish patriot. And we, as we study American history, we look at the lives of patriots and we uphold these men in great esteem, and we should. In Jewish history, they had this guy that they looked at. There were a number of Jewish patriots as well, and this is one that we're going to talk about today. 
You see his name listed in Hebrews chapter 11, and what shall I more say? And this great hall of fame of the faith listing of names, the writer of Hebrews says, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jephthah. This is the guy we're going to talk about today. But look at the names he's listed with, of David also, of Samuel the prophets. I mean, Jephthah's name in Hebrews 11 is listed with Gideon, David, Samuel, some pretty key guys, some pretty uh, influential Christians, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, and escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens." I mean, Jephthah didn't have to take a backseat to any of those guys. His name is listed in Hebrews 11 and this hall of fame of the faith with all of these other great characters and great figures of history. The faith of Jephthah helped him overcome the enemy. We're going to look at that in, in, in Judges chapter 11 here. The Lord raised him up from a meager beginning. We'll talk about that here in just a second. And the Lord led him to become a brave and valiant leader. And he helped preserve freedom in Israel. You know, we, we talk about the Memorial Day celebration and remembering those who laid down their lives. What did they lay down their lives for? Ultimately, for you and I to have freedom. Jephthah was a man who was willing to be a valiant, brave man to fight for his nation for one purpose. The enemies of the Ammonites were going to invade Israel, and they were going to take away, they're going to eliminate, take away their freedom. And Jephthah fought for the freedom of his people. Look at Judges chapter 11. Let's learn a little bit about this man. Judges 11, verse number 1. Keep your Bibles open there. The Bible says, Now Jephthah the Gileadite was a mighty man of valor. And we know about his character, his valor right here. Great man, a man full of courage, a man full of valor. But we learn about his early life here too. And he was the son of an harlot. And Gilead begat Jephthah. And Gilead's wife bare him sons. And his wife's sons grew up. And they thrust out Jephthah, and they said to him, Thou shalt not inherit our father's house, for thou art the son of a strange woman. Then Jephthah fled from his brethren and dwelt in the land of Tob, and there were gathered vain men to Jephthah and went out with him. So we see early on Jephthah's flawed life. He's the son of a harlot. He's born out of, a, uh, out of shame. And as he grows up, he's got his half-brothers here. He has just as much right to the, to the inheritance and to the heritage that's passed down from his dad. But they said, no, no, uh-uh, get out of here. No, you, you weren't, you don't have, we don't have the same mom. You're not part of our family. And they thrust him out. They kicked him out. He was forced by his brothers into exile. And when you start reading that and you look at that term fleeing, the idea of Jephthah fleeing carries the idea of him running away really to save his life from death. It seems like his brothers had really banded together. They weren't just going to reject him, but it seems like you kind of get the uh, implication here that they were looking to kill him. But Jephthah had a reputation among men for his bravery and his valor. So in a matter of time, he was surrounded by kind of like-minded people. I tend to think that he was surrounded by a group of outcasts that were also men that were brave and had, that were men of valor. So he's kicked out by his family. He's born into a family, he's born out of a situation of shame, and he's kicked out of his family, he's on his own, and then things get crazy. Then the Ammonites come. The Ammonites are wreaking havoc among the Jews. The Jews really seem powerless against the aggression of the Ammonites. And so the atmosphere in Israel at this time is, is full of despair and doom. What are we going to do? We can't defeat these guys. We can't go to war. They're going to destroy us. They're going to take us over. What do we do? 
Finally, somebody got the idea. Hey, let's go over to top. Jephthah's there. Jephthah's there. So let's go call him. See if he'll come back and fight for us. He's a man of valor. He's got a bunch of guys around him that are like him that are men of valor as well. Maybe we can get him to come back and fight for us. Now think about how, what kind of discussion that had, had to be, you know. The people of Israel go out to Jephthah. Hey, Jephthah. Hey, man, we got this idea for you. I tend to think Jephthah's looking at them through his door like, what? What do you want? Hey, we got this proposition for you. We're really in trouble. And Jephthah says, you know, what's that got to do with me? We're really in trouble. We need you to come fight for us. Let's look at what the Bible says here. Verse number seven, we see his, his patriotic commitment here. Verse number seven, and Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, did you not hate me and expel me out of my father's house? Why are you come to me now when you're in distress? Verse 8, and the elders of Gilead said unto Jephthah, therefore we turn again to thee now that thou mayest go with us and fight against the children of Ammon and be our head over all the inhabitants of Gilead. And Jephthah said unto the elders of Gilead, he's a good man, he's negotiating now. Jephthah said to the elders of Gilead, if you bring me home again to fight against the children of Ammon and the Lord deliver them before me, shall I be your head? And verse 10, the elders of Gilead said to Jephthah, the Lord be witness between us if we do not so according to thy words. So we find here Jephthah's in a place now where he's a perfect portrayal of a patriot. His country came calling. And they, he had some reservations because they had mistreated him. He'd been treated badly. He'd been kicked out by his family. His countrymen basically said, we don't want you here anymore. They kicked him out. But then they came back calling. And ultimately, he agreed to defend his nation from the Ammonites. Why? Why did he agree to do this? Why? Because freedom was at stake. Why is it that people, that young men uh, in our nation got together and decided to sign their name on a line to go fight for our country and lay down their lives knowing that many often of them were not going to return home? Why would guys do that? Why would people have that kind of valor? What is their motivation? Because they know if they don't that their country will lose their freedom. And this was Jephthah. He said, okay, all right, I'll go fight. I'll go fight. Now, if we win, here's the deal. If we win and I live, I get to come back and be the head here. And they said, okay, fine. Trouble was, trouble was brewing, and they knew they needed help. President Reagan said, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. He said, freedom is one of the deepest and noblest aspirations of the human spirit. And it's important for us on a day like this and on a weekend like this for us to remember, freedom is not an American concept. Freedom is not something we invented. It didn't begin in 1775 or 1776 or any of, the, uh, any of those dates that we hold dear. Freedom was instituted. That was something invented and developed by God. The Bible says in John 8, 36, that the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. And although mistreated and threatened by his family, Jephthah agrees to defend his nation. And he's going to prove that his valiancy, that his courage is embedded in his character. So we see he was born into a flawed life, man, in a life of obscurity, a life of shame. That's what he was born into. Then we see his patriotic commitment. His country comes calling, and he commits to come in and fight for his nation. Then we see the part of the story that most of us are familiar with, the covenant that Jephthah made. Look at verse number 30. And Jephthah vowed a vow unto the Lord and said, if thou shalt without fall, uh, without fail, deliver the children of Ammon into mine hands. Then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me when I return in peace from the children of Ammon shall surely be the Lord's 
and I will offer it up for a burnt offering. So Jephthah makes a vow. Many of us, this is what we know Jephthah for, Jephthah and his daughter. We'll talk about that here in just a few minutes. And we're going somewhere, so kind of stay with me here, okay? We're kind of introductory here. Don't get bored yet. Don't join the board, all right? We're getting somewhere. So he says, look, Lord, and, and I love the way he phrases this in his vow because I think this is very important. He doesn't just say, Lord, if you help me win. Look at verse number 31 again. He says, then it shall be uh, uh, that whosoever cometh uh, or whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house to meet me. When I return, he doesn't say, you know, if we win. He says, when I return, like I got to live through this. When I return in peace. So he's telling the Lord, look, we got to, you need to deliver us. And here's part of the deal. I get to return. I get to live in peace. When I return in peace from the children of Ammon, then that shall surely be the Lord's and I'll offer it for a burnt offering. So Jephthah, if you, if you read the passage between verse 11 and verse 30, you see here that Jephthah begins negotiating now with the Ammonites. And the king of Ammon comes and he says, look, we're going to come in and we're going to take back this land that you took from us. And Jephthah says, wait a second, time out here. No, 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 that, that's fake news, okay? You're going back in some messed up history here. The king of Ammon says, look, you Israelites came in hundreds of years ago and you took our land and we're taking it back. And Jephthah says, well, time out. That's not how the story went. He said, if you know your story correctly, if you know your history correctly, we came, the children of Israel came, and we asked permission to pass through this land, and we were not given permission, and we were asked for permission to pass through this land, and, and your forefathers didn't give us permission, and so we found this territory that God had reserved for us, and we went to this land, and we were there minding our own business, and then you guys came over and started picking a fight with us, and our God told us to fight back and take your land, and so we did it. And he tells the king of Ammon, he said, now if your God told you to fight against us and take our land, would you do it? And of course, well, you know, you got to obey your God. And so the king of Ammon was like, well, yeah, well, sure. So, so Jephthah says here, well, our God told us to do this and we did it and we won. So that land is ours and we're not giving it back. And so if you want to talk about this and negotiate, we can. And the king of Ammon said, no, we're going to come to war. We're going to take this land. And Jephthah said, okay, here we go. But it's interesting, Jephthah doesn't just go arm his men and get ready. The first thing he does is he goes, he goes to the Lord. He makes this great patriotic commitment to his coup's nation, but then he goes back to God. Look at what he says in verse number 27. I love this. He says, wherefore, I have not sinned against thee. He's talking to the king of Ammon. But thou doest me wrong to war against me. The Lord, the judge, be judged this day between the children of Israel and the children of Ammon. So before he embarks on this journey, Jephthah seeks the mighty hand of God to guide them in overthrowing the Ammonites. And he makes this sincere vow. In verse 32, so Jephthah passed over unto the children of Ammon to fight against them. And the Lord delivered them into his hands. And he smote them from Aurora, even till thou cometh to Mineth, even 20 cities and unto the plain of the vineyards and a very great slaughter. Thus the children of Ammon were subdued before the children of Israel. I don't know how big a piece of territory that is, but it sounds like a lot. And you find here that the children of Israel war against the children of the Ammonites and defeat them. The Lord gives a great victory. And I love that the writer of Judges put that in there, verse number 32, the Lord delivered them into his hands. The Lord delivered the Ammonites. And here's one of the big takeaways, I think, for us today. We're in a country where things are, things are crazy. I don't know if you know this or not, but the world is nuts. Things have gotten a little out of hand. You know, I remember growing up in the 80s and preachers talking about how wicked America was. And I'm thinking, man, you know, 
uh, you get now, uh, you fast forward to now, and for all you kids out there, the 80s were not that long ago. Shut your mouth, okay? All right, it wasn't that long ago. But I remember, man, I remember preachers getting up talking about how wicked the world was, and I compare that to now thinking, man, they didn't even realize how crazy it is. But here's the point. Jephthah and the nation of Israel, they were in dire straits. They were in trouble. They had a massive army that was going to defeat them, a group that they could not withstand coming against them. What does Jephthah do? He goes to the Lord. He goes to the Lord in prayer. And I have to think on a a weekend like Memorial Day weekend, when we take the time to honor and remember those who laid down our lives, and many of us, when we look at the state of our nation and we begin to get depressed and discouraged and defeated, if we would follow the same plan Jephthah followed, we might see some different results. If we as Christians would take the time to truly pray over our nation and pray for God's work and God's judgment on the wickedness of our country, we might see some things really change. But yet most of us, we'll sit down at home today, we'll turn on Fox News, and we'll watch that all the live long day, getting more frustrated, more aggravated, more uh, uh, angry at our neighbors, as opposed to going to God who can do something about it. Jephthah went to prayer, prayed the, sa- prayed the same prayer. If we would pray the same prayer as Jephthah, if we would ask for God to back us while we try to preserve our liberty and our freedom, that we might see the same kind of victories that he saw. Jephthah sought for the good hand of God and After the victory, he acknowledged God. And by the way, in the history of our great nation, we've seen this as a common theme from our forefathers. Men who sought the hand of God, and then after the fact, gave God the praise and glory for what God did. That was not something that was was eliminated from our forefathers. We're going to hear a lot more about this next Sunday, so don't miss next Sunday. But you see in the study of our nation's history that these men— The vast majority of these men, they knew God, or at the very least, they acknowledged Jehovah God. George Washington said in 1780, he gave God credit for thwarting the plot of Benedict Arnold to commit treason and hand over West Point to the British. George Washington said this, he said, in no instance since the commencement of the war has the interposition of providence appeared more remarkably conspicuous than in the rescue of the post and garrison of West Point from Arnold's villainous perfidy. In 1781, at the surrender of Yorktown, Washington said, the interposing hand of heaven and the various instance of our extensive preparations for this operation has been the most conscious and remarkable. Thomas Jefferson said this, he said, God who gave us life gave us liberty. And can the liberties of a nation be thought secure when we have removed their only firm basis, a conviction in the midst of their minds of the people that these liberties are a gift of God, that they are not to be violated, but with his wrath? Indeed, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Jephthah was a Jewish patriot. He's a man who feared God, and he gave God the praise and glory in his successes. In our country today, you have a, 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 a group of people who are anti-God, anti-Christian, anti-anything related to the Word of God. And they put pressure on Christians today to not speak in the public arena and not give God praise and glory. But it's important for us to understand, first and foremost, the Bible commands us to. That's the end of the story. So as Christians, we ought to praise the Lord for what He's done and give Him glory for what He's done in our nation and for the nation and the freedoms that we have. But secondly, as Americans, we should never shy away from God's influence, the influence of our Heavenly Father on the founding of this great nation. Our forefathers didn't do it. They didn't ignore that. 
George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, all the way through, even as recent a president as Ronald Reagan openly gave glory to God for the successes of our great nation. We have no right as Christians in America. By the way, we're Christians before we're Americans. There should be no debate about that. As Christians who live in America, we should never reject, never forget, never obscure the evident hand of God in our nation, in our nation's history. God has shed his grace on our nation. We enjoy generous blessings, but yet many Christians bow to the pressures and the threats of the wicked. We refuse to remember God's blessing. We refuse to give him glory for what he's done. There was a time when it was common for our leaders to give God praise. And we as Christians need to remember, what did Paul say in 2 Corinthians 3, 5? Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. That's what we stand on as Christians. Our sufficiency, and we know this today better than any other day, we know our sufficiency is not in Washington. We know our sufficiency is not in the state house in Colorado. Where are we at? Boulder? All right. I'm new here, y'all, so I figure out where everybody goes, okay? No, we don't go to the state houses of all of our states. We don't go to the Capitol building. That's not where our faith is placed. Our sufficiency is of God. President Reagan reminded us of the following. It's been written that the most sublime figure in American history was George Washington on his knees in the snow at Valley Forge. He personified a people who knew that it was not enough to depend on their own courage and goodness, that they must also seek help from God, their father and preserver. Where did we begin to lose sight of that noble beginning, of our conviction that the standards of right and wrong do exist and must be lived up to? Do we really think that we can have it both ways, that God will protect us in a time of crisis, even as we turn away from him in our day-to-day life? May we never forget that our sufficiency is of God. Jephthah, although he was widely known as a man of valor, he was a warrior, but he unashamedly, unashamedly sought God's help. And then we'll finish up with this here in verse number 30. We'll talk again about the character of Jephthah. We see his commitment, his patriotic commitment, we see his, his desire to fight for his nation. We see the covenant he made with God. And then we see his character here. Jephthah vowed a vow, verse number 30, unto the Lord. And said, if thou shalt without fail deliver the children of Ammon into my hands, then it shall be that whatsoever cometh forth of the doors of my house, when I return in peace from the children of Ammon, shall surely be the Lord's, and I will offer it for a burnt offering. Jump down to verse 34. Then Jephthah came to Mizpah unto his house, and behold, his daughter came out to meet him with timbrels and with dances. She was his only child. Beside her, he had neither son nor daughter. And it came to pass when he saw her that he rent his clothes and said, Alas, my daughter, thou hast brought me very low. Thou art one of them that trouble me, for I've opened my mouth unto the Lord, and I cannot go back. Put yourself in his shoes. Think of Jephthah walking toward his house. I have to think that his eyes became fixated on that door. He remembers that vow he made. And he remembers, and then all of a sudden his heart melts as he sees his daughter walk out to greet him. This was not one of many children, as if that would make a difference anyway, but this was his only child. Now we'll see the true character of this man of valor. How will he respond to the magnitude of this moment? You see there, we just read it, one of the most noble loyal statements a man can make. I cannot go back. Though the price was unfathomable, he's going to honor his commitment. 
And that's the thing, you know, God did not ask, God didn't ask Jephthah to make this vow. God didn't tell him to do it. He didn't pressure him to propose this vow. But he's made this vow, now he's willingly going to honor the vow. And this is just a little side thought here. Look at verse 36. Look at this. Jephthah's daughter here, and she said unto him, My father, if thou hast opened thy mouth unto the Lord, do to me according to that which hath proceeded out of thy mouth. For as much as the Lord hath taken vengeance for thee of, of thine enemies, even of the children of Ammon. Think about this. What, first of all, what an outstanding job of parenting here. Because he stands before his daughter. I mean, he tells her, look, you, you've, you've, you've hurt me. You've wounded me. Here's the vow I made. You're the first thing that came out. I cannot go back. And what does she say to him? Dad, whatever you committed to the Lord, do it. I mean, what bravery here. And this is a parental tip here. This is a, a young lady who knew the value of a, vow, of a vow that was made to God. She knew the value of what a man does when he makes a promise to God. And she told her dad, whatever you promise, and no matter how it affects me, no matter how it affects me, you fulfill that vow. You honor the Lord. And for young people, teenagers here today, understand the days are going to come where you're going to have to make a choice whether or not to obey God's word. And hopefully you won't have to make a decision like she had to make. But she willingly stepped up and said, whatever it is, even if I have to lay down my life for this, whatever it is, dad, let's do it. You honor the Lord. The times are going to come where we're going to have to make decisions. Do we really believe this book? Do we truly believe what God has called us to do? Do we truly believe that we are to live how God has called us to live? And I think what bravery was shown here. Verse 37, and she said unto her father, let this thing be done for me. Let me alone two months that I may go up and down upon the mountains and bewail my virginity and my, I and my fellows. And he said, go. And he sent her away for two months and she went with her companions and she bewailed her virginity upon the mountains. And it came to pass at the end of two months that she returned unto her father who did with her according to his vow, which he had vowed. And she knew no man. And it was a custom in Israel that the daughters of Israel went yearly to lament the daughter of Jephthah the Gileadite four days in a year. Some people believe that Jephthah did exactly what his vow stated. And that's really not the point today. We're not really going to get into all of that and, and, and what different people believe. And some people believe that it could not have been honoring to God for him to offer her as, as a sacrifice. And so maybe he took her and, and did what Hannah did with Samuel and took her to the temple. And, and the fact that she went to the, to the mountains to sorrow over her virginity, the fact that she was never going to marry and never going to be a mom and have a family, maybe, that he, maybe that's the key. And he took her and, and gave her to the priest and she served in the temple for the rest of her years. And, and again, that's neither here nor there when in the context of this story. Regardless of how you perceive what took place here, it's important to, that you that we look at the life of Jephthah and understand the character that he displayed. Because no matter how you perceive his vow, even if you think, well, that was a foolish thing to do. And so many times I've heard people talk about how foolish it was for Jephthah to make that type of a vow to God. Regardless of how you feel about him, you can't get away from the fact that this man had character. He made a vow to God and he honored it. Jephthah was a man of noble character. His valor and his loyalty did not come at the expense of his character. Memorial Day is, about, is a day about those who have paid the ultimate sacrifice for their country. Jephthah is a man in Jewish history who's an example of someone who paid a huge price for being a patriot for his country. You know, think about the character of Jephthah. He made a commitment to the Lord. 
And he wasn't going to let anything stop him from fulfilling that commitment. Have you made a commitment to the Lord that you failed to uphold? You know, is there something in your life that you said, God, I'm going to do this, but you haven't followed through on? It's easy to criticize these guys. They're dead and gone. We have the opportunity in our day and age to make commitments to the Lord and to do things for the Lord. And, and again, to, to, to have the character to stand up and say, I cannot go back. Have you made a vow to God? What is it that you told God that you would do? What is it you told God that you would give? What is it that you said to the Lord? Our nation is founded on people that had character. Not perfect people. We are a very flawed nation. We have a very flawed history, similar to Jephthah. If you look into deep dive into his life, you'll see some big mistakes. I mean, even his birth was a big flawed event. And all of that took place, but God used that for his glory. And it, uh, you have a man who had the character to follow the plan of God, follow the word of God, and to fulfill his commitments to his God. On this Memorial Day weekend, as we enjoy, many of us will have a day off tomorrow, and as we enjoy that time with our family and friends, may we never forget the character of the people that laid down their lives for us to be able to do what we're doing today and to be able to have a day to enjoy tomorrow. As Christians, if anybody else in this nation, as Christians, may we show the character of following God's word, living God's plan for our lives, fulfilling the vows and the commitments that we've made to the Lord, not faltering when things get rough. Jephthah's listed in this faith hall of fame in the book of Hebrews, and nobody can ever take that away from him. The story of Jephthah is one of inspiration, of commitment, of loyalty, of bravery. And we as Americans, we live in the land of the free. And our, our, our nation, our freedom has come at a high cost. It comes with the high price of the blood of true patriots. May we today, as Christian Americans on this holiday weekend, may we be willing to display in our community the same level of commitment to our God, the same level of loyalty to our Lord and His Word, and the same bravery in standing for the truth of God in a hostile world. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank You today for the opportunity to meet together in church. And Lord, may we never take for granted the freedom that we do have. Lord, we know that we've lost many freedoms in this nation and many of our liberties have been taken away over the years. But Lord, we do still have the opportunity to meet and assemble together and to open your word. We have the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with our friends and relatives and neighbors. Lord, we're in a nation that has given us so much opportunity and Lord, as we leave here today, I pray that you'd help us to be thankful, to be grateful for those who did lay down their lives and were used according to your plan and your will to give us the opportunities that we have today. Lord, we thank you for the greatest sacrifice of laying down your life for us on the cross of Calvary. For without that sacrifice, we could have no freedom. We could have no joy. And Lord, I pray that you would help us today as we leave here this morning to have a greater sense of sacrifice, a greater sense of responsibility to take advantage of what you've so generously given to us. I pray that you would help us as Christians to be bold in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, not to cower in a wicked and perverse generation and to be fearful of sharing the gospel. I pray that you would help us have the, gener the, the, uh, the generosity of courage and commitment uh, to, to tell others of what you've done for us, to share what you've done in our own lives. 
I pray that you would help us to see a community here of godless people who need the salvation of Jesus Christ and to be willing to give it. I pray that you would help us to honor our great nation and our leaders and to be thankful for this opportunity that you've given us and to not squander it. Lord, help us to be a people of prayer, to pray for our nation. Lord, as much as we complain about our nation, Holy Spirit, convict us to pray, to pray for our leaders, that God give us an opportunity to grow closer to you. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, how many of you say, Brent, this morning something in the message spoke to my heart? Maybe I've not shown the level of commitment that I need to show to Jesus Christ. Maybe I've forgotten to be, to be thankful for the generosity of this great nation that we've been given and the freedom that comes with it. How many say, Brent, maybe I've been too scared to give the gospel and to be an outspoken witness of Jesus Christ, but I want to change that today. All across the room this morning, how many say, Brent, that's me. The Lord spoke to my heart about something this morning, and I want to raise my hand and admit that to the Lord today. How many of you say that this morning, all across the room today? There's many hands today. In just a moment, we're going to pray again. Whether they're at your seat or at the front here, whether it may be, I want you to take that to the Lord and make that commitment to the Lord. Maybe you faltered on a commitment that you've made in the past. And Jephthah has inspired you to go back to that commitment and say to the Lord, I cannot go back. May we as Christians and as Americans fulfill the commitment that the Lord, uh, that we've made to the Lord. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, well, Brent, I've never accepted the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. I don't know that Jesus Christ is my Savior. Or maybe we could put it this way. If I were to die today and something were to happen to me tragically, I don't know that I would end up in heaven with Jesus, but I would like to. How many of you this morning say, that's me, Brent. I don't know that if I were to die that I would go to heaven, but I would like to. I'd love to be able to partake of the sacrifice that Jesus made for me. I'd like to know more about that. How many of you all across the room this morning would say, Brent, that's me? How many of you raise your hand right now and say, Brent, that's me? I don't know that I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't know that I'm a child of God, but I would like to know that today. And with heads bowed and eyes closed, let's all stand together as the piano begins to play this morning. Let's take just a few moments. Make that commitment to the Lord. Maybe you've been unthankful. One of the great sins of our generation is unthankfulness. Make that right with the Lord today. Maybe you've made a vow to the Lord and you haven't kept it. Let's go back to that vow. Let's make that right with the Lord today. Maybe you've been fearful about being a gospel witness and sharing the gospel in our community. We'll spend so much time focused on the negative things of this world and fail to honor the Lord and fail to spread the gospel and do the things that can truly change our nation. Take that to the Lord this morning. Let's make that right today.
Heavenly Father, Lord, again, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to come in this great nation and that we are not bound by the law to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we're not hindered to invite people to come to church to hear the word of God preached. Lord, we're thankful that we have the freedom to tell others of what you've done for us. And Lord, forgive us for opportunities that we've passed up, opportunities that we've not taken to share the gospel. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would convict us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ and show us opportunities that we, ha- we have to give uh, the great hope of salvation to others. Lord, we thank you for our great nation. Our nation's faltering. Our nation's in trouble. But even then, Lord, we, we have a great and powerful nation and you've allowed us to live in this day and age in this great nation. And I pray that you'd help us to not take it for granted. Lord, help us to, to do the things as good citizens that would help improve our nation. But most importantly, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to live the Christian life that will have the greatest impact. Bless everyone now as we leave here today. We, Lord, we thank you for our heritage, our great nation, and I pray that you'd help us to have a greater understanding of that and appreciation for that today. Speak to hearts now through the, the teaching going on, even in our Spanish ministry next door in the next few hours. And we'll thank you for all that you do now. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.